Hey, what's up everyone out there? Thank you so much for tuning in to another Addicted Fishing Podcast. We got a fiery one for you tonight, probably a little bit. No, it's not going to be fiery. It's going to be very factual. factual. It's going to be very informative. It's going to be very, maybe not, I'm going to just say deep in the thought processes of what's going on on the North Coast for Steelhead for Washington, but before you before your eyes glaze over and you think about turning off this podcast don't forget that what's going on in the north coast of the Washington state right now will affect every steelheader in the northwest in one way and every steelheader in or the another. entire world that likes to go steelhead fishing in, in as a destination you know right. at the end of the day that north coast is somewhere that people travel all over the world to go fish well they they used to yeah, um, until true. they shut it down which but, by, by the way last week uh, we were putting Beautiful wild steelhead in a broodstock yeah. tank in April. Yeah, that was amazing. Bright, Before we get too ones. far into this huh. podcast, we got to give a huge shout out to Filetaway yes. Fish Mats. As you guys know, Filetaway is one of our sponsors, and they're sponsoring today's podcast. And with that sponsorship, they're giving all you addicts out there a 15% off discount code. All you got to do, ADX15 on Filetaway's website. Go get yourself a couple mats. We all use them. We all love them. And in and fact, uh, even last week while we were putting those broodstock fish in the tank, we were also catching beautiful sealized hatchery steelhead that we filmed for you guys and promptly filleted them out on Flayway fish mats. <laughs> There's the segue. Got it. Boom. Got it. And <laughs> with tonight, that. With tonight, we also have a guest in here. You want to introduce yourself? The guest. The guest. <laughs> the man. Robert Kratz, our Anger's Guide Service. A longtime uh, resident of Forks, Washington and longtime fishing guide in the state of Washington and just um, a good, you know, also a sport advocate person for all the sportsmen out there that like fishing. Probably one of the hardest working sport advocates we have and thankful to be thankful to have in the state of Washington. But like I said before, it affects all steelheaders because I'd imagine some of those Oregon rivers are getting a little busier than they are used to. No doubt. Some, some of the thought process from some of these um, wild fish groups, some of the thought process that they're you know, as far as the no fishing from boats, that popped up in Oregon uh, last year. It was quickly, quickly stifled down because, well, I mean, with the broodstock programs, they don't really need to worry about that. But, uh, yeah, so we brought Bob in here because we're sitting on the cusp of, a, of another um, very important um, ad hoc North Coast Steelheaders meeting on April 28th. And we wanted to give you guys, we, we brought Bob in. He's doing some fishing down here. We brought him in because we wanted to give... Like kind of the setup and the layout and the importance of these North Coast Steelheader meetings, or I shouldn't say Steelheader, or I should say North Coast Steelhead Advisory Group meetings. Yeah. Is that what is yep. what's yep. what's the actual terminology? For, I always Coastal Advisory Committee. Coastal Advisory Coastal Committee. Coastal Steelhead Advisory Committee. There we go. But well, I got one coming up and next this is Thursday. Meeting number two, correct? Number three. Number three. Yeah, we kind of went through the first two meetings. The first one was nothing more than just a introduction to the group how we, everything works second one was kind of the setup of how we're going to be start looking at all the stuff this next one coming up on the third we're going to start digging into the grassroots a little bit on the Shahala system so, so mostly Shahala's Grays Harbor areas will be can the outside people on this listen? next one is there a yes. place so people can join in on this how how do they do that you just go to the website and there's a uh, link there um, get forecast for when the meeting is going to be there's a link there for a zoom and people can get on the Zoom. Um, your cameras are turned off so that we can't see you, mm-hmm. and you can't speak. Um, until the end of the meeting, they do give a short 
uh, comment period for the public. And then um, there's also, they'll put on there at the end that you can make comments to uh, the actual group and everything. Um, and it's good because then all the people in the group get to go read those comments yeah. and see mm-hmm. how people are feeling and what they think about, you know, what we talked about and stuff, which I think is really good. Sad thing is, is that, you know, I've talked about this now a couple of times. There's very few comments. There's on, no. On the website. Yeah, we're like going to Nobody's change that. really commenting on it. And yeah. so We need to change you know, that, addicts. That's why we're talking to you guys. Let's talk about... Let's talk about why we're here and how this group formed. Because I think people, like, if they're just tuning into this podcast, they've heard about this. But, like, what was the necessity of the group? Who formed the group? Who put the people on this group? And what's the end goal? Like, I know in the short version. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I mean, so, I mean, to kind of break it down for people really good is, like, you know, for a long time, we've been fishing for steel on the North Coast, just normal steel fishing. And the management of fish and wildlife was allowing us to fish. And we had some runs that were under escapement and they were still just allowing us to go forward. So new management basically came in from the department and said, whoa, we got some problems here and we need to really kind of start looking at these wild steelhead runs and how we're going to hold on to them and make sure they're still around. So I applaud them for that part. That's wonderful. Um, But we went from like, completely open boat fishing and doing all that stuff to all of a sudden super restrictive fishing, right? So it kind of really put everybody back on their heels. And in the process of that, two years ago, we went from, you know, knowing we were going to have a great season to all of a sudden we're not fishing out of our boats. We're fishing from the bank. A lot of people got X out of the fishery, so they, forth. So a bunch of us got together, a um, bunch of guides, a um, couple politicians, a bunch of people got together and said, hey, look, you know, if this is the route we're going to go, we need to put something together that really ensures that as sportsmen, we can kind of know we're going to have a fishery. You know, a lot of times we don't know until December 1, the fishery opens. December 1 is the beginning of steelhead season, and we think we're going to have a great season, and all of a sudden they come out and say, well, no, this is what your actual rules are. I'm like, how as a guide or a sportsman who's going to travel plans, all that kind of stuff, all of a sudden doesn't, like, oh, wow. Now I don't even get to go fishing or they're closing it early or, hey, we can only fish out of our boats, which for a lot of anglers, I mean, only out of, off the bank, which for a lot of anglers mm-hmm. kind of took them out of the fishery. So we basically worked with some legislators. They got a budget proviso passed. The budget proviso was passed and it gave the state, uh, I think, $300,000 to formulate a plan moving forward. And so... Uh, part of that was part of our ask in the proviso was to create an ad hoc group, put together a group of stakeholders that can look at the fishery and plan on how not only are we going to set up our fishing opportunities, but look at recovering some of these steelhead populations and so forth. Um, but the scope of the work is really much larger than the time frame we have to do it in. So if we're really going to do a full recovery plan, it's going to take way longer. We have to we have to have this to the legislature by December. So to really do a full recovery plan really isn't even in the cards because there's no way we can process all the information, dig into the weeds as deep as we need to. So what we need to provide the legislator is basically just a, um, you know, where are we 
what what are we missing in managing these steelhead runs? What are we missing, and and how can we move forward to not only help recover the fish but also establish some solid fishing opportunities in these depressed times? Right now, we know our ocean conditions are getting better. So as ocean conditions get better, we're going to have more opportunities. We're going to have a little bit better, right? Our forecast, hopefully our runs mm-hmm. get a little bit larger. It's going to open things up a little bit. But in the meantime, what do we do in there where we can get some opportunity with that? There's a lot of us that feel like there's opportunity there as sportsmen that we should be able to have. And we have to figure out how we can do that mm-hmm. going forward. So, you know, the- so what's your what's your response to because one of the biggest things I see and I see this thrown around even all these posts and stuff that I've made recently and I've gotten pretty loud and vocal about it I get the the a lot of the comments well you're just a selfish sport fisherman all you want to do is catch these fish you don't really care about these fish you don't want to see these fish in the future why can't you just sacrifice for 10 years and not mess with these fish and I see that comment a lot so my my response to that is is that when you so that the idea like why don't you sacrifice and give up ten years, right? That, that's the comment. Mm-hmm. Well, you just that's where's all your advocates going to go? Like pretty soon people just stop fishing for them and there's nobody now to fight for them. All your advocates go away, right? You need to keep people engaged. You need to keep people engaged. Closing fisheries isn't going to keep people engaged. It's just going to chase them away. And then on top of that, too, like we, they've closed down lots of rivers where you can't fish winter steelhead across the state. And there's just because they've closed those fisheries doesn't mean that that stock has recovered in any way, shape or form. Like Correct. there is nothing proven like and I can give examples from the Wind River. I can give examples from Hood River. I can give examples from the Columbia River Basin. But across these places the where the entire Puget Sound, like the, the sport fishing is not the problem, even though they do apply these mortality rates. And we can get into that here in a little bit. But this is the sacrifice of closing a fishery for 10 years. Especially, and keep in mind, guys, most of this fishery that we're talking about is um, is catch and release. I, I, I mean, a vast majority that some of the earlier stocks that they closed us out of, you know, for harvesting hatchery fish, you know, obviously those went away too. And those hatchery fish are really only there for the table. They actually don't want those fish in the gravel, but regardless, like you don't, if you just close something, it doesn't come back. Assuming that the sport fishery is, is crushing these runs, they would have figured that out a long time ago, but now all of a sudden it's, now it's a management policy. Well, that's the that's kind of a little bit of the issue for a lot of us is like, show us the data that says that spore fishing is attributing to the decline of the steelhead population. There's studies show, right show now in Idaho that are saying otherwise. Right. That are saying that that it's meant like we're talking one to two percent at best, which that is a percentage. There is an impact. I'm not going to say that there's not, but is that impact heavier than closing down a fishery for ten years? And losing, like you said, all your advocates, your participants in the fishery, the industry itself around those fisheries, is it worth losing it for the 1% to 2% and keeping in mind that really at the end of the day, Bob and I and Marlon and everybody here probably listening to this podcast, we want those fish probably more than anybody else in the state. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, so yeah, you look at that, it's like 2 to 3%, I think is what the the Idaho study said there's one being done right. on the Cowlitz right now. Mm-hmm. It's not quite finished, 
but I I've heard the preliminary numbers are very similar. Well, because so we apply a ten percent mortality rate to our fish, and so maybe hopefully with both those studies and out of this ad hoc well, group, we can look at that and well, say, the, well, here's two studies that show that sport fishing is only really getting a two or three percent. So can we adjust that ten percent maybe down to five percent? Well, now all well, of a sudden that changes our impacts on a fishery, which then would change our fishing opportunities. But let's talk about, but let's talk about the studies that they're choosing to ignore studies that are being done in real time every single year on the snake, on the Wilson, on the Solettes. And these are broodstock studies where these fish are being handled 10 times more aggressively than any sport guy catching and landing them. They're being all sport caught and they're being held long-term spawned and released and they know they know that exact mortality rate on fish that are handled honestly five times ten times rougher than a sport guy catching one getting a picture on the bank and letting them go right and they know that number and those studies are there and those numbers are there and they're choosing not to look at those right we also had it on the snyder creek program i mean i was super involved in that and for years how many fish died in that thing years of collecting, you know, 20 to 50 fish a season, mm-hmm. and our mortality was nil. There you in, go. In that. You know? So, I mean, so there's, so there's there's real case examples, and that's why, and so going back to, like, we're talking about, you know, where we're going to try to go with this group, but, like, I, I wanted to, I'm going to go back to the one of those questions, like, wh- how was this group formed and the people that were put on it? Like, and does those people that are on this group and in this group represent all the stakeholders in the state of Washington for steelhead. So, um, so basically they, they formed the ad hoc group. They put out a, basically a message out to the public everywhere that this group's going to be there. And anybody that wants to be involved in the group basically could, uh, put their application in their resume for why they think they should be on the group. And then, mm-hmm. um, once they received all those, then they picked the people they basically grab all the people that either wrote a good resume and or kind of like tried to separate people out a little bit, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of guides, a couple of conservation ones, a couple of scientists, a couple of regular sport fishermen, so forth. Try to get as broad a spectrum as they can mm-hmm. and get in that. Um, you know, I only thing I can say is that I mean, there, there's not one person on that organization, on that ad hoc group, that isn't absolutely passionate about wild steelhead. Now, we might all have different opinions on how we should recover them or what a sport fishery should look like. No doubt about it, right? We all have that. I'm hoping that we can all work together and come up with something that's going to fit everybody. Um, but it's part of that process is, is that, you know, and that's why I was on this. I was on the Attic Show here a couple of weeks ago, and why I'm here again today is to let people know, like, the 12 people on this panel are not the deciding factor of what's going to happen for steelhead. We are just an advocate for the fish, and then we go to back to our constituents and tell them, like, here's what's happening, and you need to voice your opinion. If you have an opinion on what you think should be done, and you need to do that. And you right? need to be signing and so, in and listening to the meetings right. and commenting. So, and yeah. If you listen to the show and or the, the meeting and maybe there's a, a way that we're talking about things and, and guaranteed you're going to hear different approaches from each person mm-hmm. in the group. 
and hopefully we come to a consensus in the middle as to what's best for the fish and the fishermen. But but your voice is really important for the sportsman, any sportsman, to to get on there and tell people, like, hey, I agree with this approach, or I agree with this approach, or this is what this means to me. Yep. You know what I mean? For a lot of people, you know, we, we talk about the fish, but the reality of it is hardcore steelheaders are different than any other fishermen out there, right? Why do we go out there and spend days in the ice cold freezing hands oh you're, you're talking the passionate of the passionate you're chasing this elusive fish right yeah you take that away from people and it's like there's people out there that will mentally just go nuts they're lost because <laughs> they can't go out there and do that right and so it's super yeah. important that we so, hold on to some fishing opportunities yeah so for you, all these folks to go do that and so in 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 this group this group is supposed to be this representative sample like you said of passionate steelhead anglers and you're talking that next week you guys are going to be talking Chehalis Basin you're going to start delving into that who's on that group that's from that area or steelheaders from that area or who represents like you know a guide or a fisherman from that area is there anybody even on there the only person there there's one sport angler from Olympia but we're not talking Chehalis Basin though and nobody in the Chehalis Basin that I'm aware of most most of the folks are either north coast, um, inside of the coast, Olympia, Seattle, Olympia, Seattle, but no one, uh, no one, no one there that lives, breathes, eats, guides, fishes, steelhead. Not that I'm aware of. But be honest with you, I don't really know where all these folks live. They're on there, right? I mean, I've worked with most of them, but I really don't know their physical address. Oh, gotcha. Okay, because I mean, my my, I mean, the thought, my thought about this group being this representative sample of steelhead anglers would represent people from the area businesses from the area as well and i mean if there's that piece missing then there's it doesn't seem like it's getting you know i mean the interests of those fishermen and the interests of those people trying to make like i said it's we're not we're not all greedy fishermen we want i mean people that live in that area want those fish more than anything else right now especially in the winter time yeah i've been doing my homework i mean i i sat on almost every single north of falcon meeting including all of Grays Harbor, which I don't fish. Yeah. But I sat on every North of Falcon meeting there to listen to their voice, to listen to their hearts about their salmon fisheries and have reached out to some of those folks. Um, and I have several, um, not only guide friends, but then clients who that's their home waters where they live there. Mm-hmm. So I've been talking to those people regularly to get a feel for how they feel and, and things they're concerned about and things they would like to see and, and so forth from the Chehalis Basin. Um, I'm pretty knowledgeable about it, but I don't have the. But like I said, you don't. I have, can't you, tell where yeah. those fish spawn. Where if you right. ask me in the Solduck or the Bogusha or Cloud, <laughs> you, you know what I mean. I can tell you on. what rock they're behind, <laughs> you know, and where they're going to spawn and when they're going to spawn. And everything. Yeah. I don't have that knowledge on the Chehalis system, so I have been reaching out to people to really find out about, you know, really dig into that to help help my decision making and or help my comments in in this aspect. So this next meeting on the twenty eighth at six, I'm assuming four, four o'clock, four, four o'clock, four to, no, four to six, four to six, um, is going to be the first time where you guys are going to delve into some of these areas and start kind of maybe figuring out like what like should and shouldn't happen. And we're, I know, are we talking as far as like you know whether there should be hatchery stock, should there be new programs implemented, or is it going to be kind of like okay, here's the deck. Oh, I'm sure those idiots will talk about getting rid of hatchery fish for well, sure. Well, I mean, uh, that's that's. 
<laughs> That's so I don't the know, only card like, in the book so, for them. But what I'm asking is like, is this like something where they're going to start doing like with the Quicksilver program where they well, start like figuring out like what they want to do within the basins? I mean, there obviously is going to be some discussion surrounding that. But the reality of it is, is that in the short time frame that we have to come back to the legislation with right. a look at this stuff, my eyes, what I see is we can only address um, the needs, the needs and the tools necessary to manage these fisheries and these opportunities and our fishing opportunities successfully. As right? is. Yes. So you're not like talking we, like in the future, like we need to do these programs here. We need to cut these. You're not. Are well, there, there are probably going to be some discussion like that mm-hmm. for sure. There's going to be some opinions that think that this is what they should do. Yeah. And like I said, my opinion is we don't have the time to delve into yeah, that say, deep oh, in the grass. Okay, that's what I was asking. So, so like, how are you doing this a in a complex, two-hour meeting? You can't. Like, with the no Shehalis representation need, from anybody in the Shehalis. Shehalis would need like a year. Oh, yeah. Right? They would need a year of meetings. Yeah, you're talking about so many and different you would have to right. have You would have to have people involved from there. You'd have to have the tribes involved. Right. Tri- yeah, where's the you, tribes on all this? You have to have the tribes involved in it if we're going to actually talk about a recovery plan for the Shahela system. No kidding. So we can't really... I didn't even think of that. We can't really get in there and dig into the weeds and come up with a recovery plan in one meeting. What we can do mm-hmm. is identify some needs, right? So one of the needs, like in the Shahela system, right, is there is zero monitoring going on. Zero. So it means there's no fish checkers. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. Hmm. So nothing going on there. So as a fishery or sportsman, they don't know how many fish the f- sportsmen are catching it's or how many they're releasing. They don't wait, know anything, wait, wait, right? Bob, so Bob, Bob, having wait. that in there is important. So basically, you go to legislation. This is a need. If we're going to manage this fishery correctly, this is one of the needs. The other needs might be, hey, we need to really look at broodstock programs. To help uh, to help these fish get going, right? So that would be a need. Let me back. So we got to identify some. Let, let me back you up on one of those needs because guides are doing logbooks now, so they should have some pretty robust creel data for a lot of sport for a lot of sportsmen in that area so, if the season's open. Correct, and that was brought up, and yeah. so that was brought up in our last meeting that mm-hmm. we had that available, and so we're sharing that data that we have from the guides now. So as that expands and as we get uh, more involvement in that, that will help. That's one of the things that will right. help. But so that's just my my take on this group so, is is all we really can do is identify problems. Well, we, problems everybody can identify well, here's 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 the, here's the and, problem and put them on a spectrum of what's most important to help. Here, here here's the problem. Here's the problem. The Shahalas Basin is not meeting wild escapement, so everything's closing down. Meanwhile, places with broodstock programs are meeting escapement. Excellently for 20 years, for 22 years. Like, so really I can identify your needs right there and we can put a check on this box and move on. So, so, (laughs) and if they even bring up the money or the volunteerism for sportsmen, like I know Marlon, I got that. So, so take that to your meeting on the 28th. So I've had some conversations recently with some departmental people who have now addressed their opinion of like, we're not against broodstock programs. And so we would like to talk about them, and and they've been talking to the Oregon, and finding out about their programs and that they're twenty. You know, years a later. lot of the Oregon-based programs are, um, 
basically angler mm-hmm. yep. anglers and 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 public um, facilitated yep. correct yep. yep and so um so washington's been talking to Oregon but about so how does that guys's. work and all that that's kind of what stuff. your guys was right the Snyder one it was yeah the state raised the state only um the state basically raised our fish as fry that's what they so do so they helped the, us with that yep. then we did all of the we did all of the uh Raising of the fish, mm-hmm. feeding of the fish. We paid for the fish. Where they're all sport angler caught. They were all sport angler transferred from river to the the ponds at the hatchery, mm-hmm. and so forth. So, but the good news is, like for a long time, we've been talking broodstock programs, and it's been no, no, no. Now I think the seal's been broke a little bit to where hey, let's let's do talk. Well, I mean, about I mean this. <laughs> let's I, I talk laugh. about this and let's work on it. I absolutely and think laugh about at it. this because it's like the seal's been broken, but. Do they live under a rock? Like, I'm just going to, I don't mean to be offensive, but for heaven's sakes, do you think a broodstock pro, do you think robust, good sport? I mean, if you put out the call for like, when you talk about this Chehalis Basin, and as far as needs and wants, say we need a broodstock program in the hump tulips. We need it in the Wainucci. We need it in the Satsup. I guess you guys had one in the Satsup. Or they- They're still doing one there, but it's small. And that was one of the things I talked about with the yeah. departmental person was, um, you know, Doing a broodstock program where you raise twenty five thousand or fifty thousand smolts, uh, it's something. It's, it's nothing. It's, it's nothing. nothing. But keep in mind, like the Wilson, I'll just say they, 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 you know, they, it's they, like, they do one hundred and twenty. Right, all they okay, need. So, but that's the there's a point of return. Yeah. To where you do right. when we had the Center Creek program was a hundred thousand. There you go. We volunteered to go. And to you 50. guys went nuts. We went volunteered to go down to fifty because we used to kill thirty wild steelhead. I mean, you killed two wild steelhead a day back in my early days. Oh, fish. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. As sportsmen, okay. we used not to do in, that. Not in this program. No, no. Yeah. We used to kill two wild steel a day. Yeah, that was just sportsmen. fishing regulations. And then as we a went whole. to yeah. 10 a year. Mm-hmm. Then we went to five a year. Then we went year. down to one a year. Yeah. And in that process, there was the concern raised um, not only by the co managers, by the department also was okay, we're taking less wild steel out of the system. The whole idea of Snyder Crick was to help build the system. So if we're taking. Yeah less wild fish out, um, adding way more in, maybe not necessarily be the best thing right. and allow these wild fish to do their thing. Right. So we thought, okay, that's no problem. But so we I'll, reduced it to 50,000. We also saw our return just fall dramatically. Well, say, we but, went but, back but, to a hundred thousand and all of a sudden our return, but there's back, all this, there's all this intrinsic stuff no. too. Like, I mean, you guys are lowering your numbers down, but let's be honest. I mean, cause every, every report I listen to in the town halls talk about like, you know, the, the climate change and pushing their habitat further North. I mean, the cards are, I mean, not just the sport process with whether we're broodstocking or whether we're catching and killing or anything, take all that out of the mix. Like, the cards are stacked against. There's all these other different things that are Lots. stacked against them. Lots. So even though you guys were trying to do the right thing on reducing that bruise, like as you weren't killing the wilds, all these other things were happening. And now, well, right. now we're here. Right. And now basically we need those yeah. back. But I also think that the reason the soul duck is still as strong as it is. Well, it's because, yeah, is for the 30 years sure. of brood stocking that we did when the other runs around us have fallen down how some. long do you think that'll last i mean it's still going kind of down too. it's starting to suffer from those it's effects a, yeah too. it's going down a little bit but yeah. i think a little bit of that had to do with more of what's happened in the, the ocean yeah. over the last four or five years right now we're kind of the ocean's kind of going back the other direction mm-hmm. and we had a massive 
Hatchery return this year. Oh, is <laughs> which was is really good news. Yep, and that's typically um, your one year old fish. So yep. next year's wild runs should also show a pretty good up. Great time to start a broodstock program. Tell people real fast um, what can they do on this April twenty eighth meeting to help it, it not not change the minds. I'm not going to say change the minds, but help basically advocate for the steelhead in any way they choose to see fit, whether it be, hey, don't fish for 10 years, guys, which we already talked about, or, hey, maybe try putting a broodstock program, or, hey, I got $20, I'll throw it in the pot. Like, what can people do? Uh, and then we need to get to a live feed. You know, I think, first of all, is listen to the meeting. Go there and get a flair for what's being talked about. And then, and then voice your passion and your heart for what you feel you would like to see happen with our steelhead runs and how you would like, to, what you would like to see, right? Get, voice your opinion. If you think broodstock programs are what you'd like to see, then, then talk about that. You know, if you, mm -hmm. if you have an idea of what kind of a fishery you'd like to see, talk about that. Um, you know, just know that like in the Shahala system, that's the one that is the big one, right? Because, you know, the last couple of years, last five years, it's been like 2000 fish, 2000 fish under escapement scary so not just a little bit under escapement dramatically under escapement right yeah. so we need to help get that system back going and it and a good recovery plan would be good mm -hmm. and would broodstock be good i think it would and broodstock, and, and broodstock not you know? to kill fish too like broodstock with some vent clips so there can't be harvest on these fish like actually using a brood i mean my personal opinion use a broodstock program to help bolster numbs and not just so greedy fishermen can slaughter them I 100% agree. I am not into mining wild fish no. to make hatchery fish. No. That's not my, that's not a broodstock to me. No. A broodstock is just like, Once you get, just don't, like don't our wolf populations, <laughs> where wolf <laughs> populations are extinct. We brought wolves back in. We helped get them going, right? We've done this with a whole pile of species. Yeah. It's time we do it for steelhead and some of our salmon runs. The same thing, right? Well, it's, they, well, they need it's to happening get, all over in the upper Columbia. Look at yeah. these coho runs we got. Those yeah. all came from broodstock hatchery programs. Yep. All they, of them. We need to help them get them over the hump, and that would do that. Thank you, Bob, yep. for coming in today. We appreciate you guys. That meeting yeah, I, is I, I like barely said anything because I was just like sitting here and like just trying to soak it all in. Get all it's the so it's so important, guys. I mean, everything you're saying gives you guys. You get hopefully you guys got some background from this. Please participate in the April 28th. Listen and like I said, if anything, if, I'm going it, to make sure that I put some links out because I know people are going to ask. Mm -hmm. So I'll have some links in the description. I'll have some links everywhere so you guys yeah. understand where to go. And I think if you want to make a comment, you have to do that ahead of time. You have to actually get on there and say. I want to make a comment. You have to fill out a thing. You have to put your name. Like you can't just get on there and make a comment from how I understand it. So it's also a very complicated, right? It's a very complex situation and people need to be, um, I would say, try to go into these meetings, open-minded yep. and listen to everybody. Right. You may not necessarily agree with the people on the other side of the table, but I'm telling you what, they're not dumb. They're scientists. They're smart. They have a passion may not be your opinion, but it is theirs, and it's a valued opinion, and they do have some good things. So hopefully we can all just come together and come up with a good plan going forward that will kind of fit everybody. Bob, I want you to leave that meeting. I want you to have them say, Marlon, we're going to do a broodstock program. We need $200,000, and we need all the anglers in the world to catch them. And we'll say, okay, and we'll get them that. 
<laughs> so you do I'm, that for us on I'm the work, 28th. I'm working right? Get on that it. done. I'm, I'm, I'm working totally on kidding, it. guys. I'm we're totally having, kidding, We're guys. having some meetings. I got a meeting coming yeah. up soon. So Beautiful, Bob. Bob, thanks working. again for coming. We will have you again. We, You know what, guys? We're going to beat this thing to death. We have yep. to. We we're have to continue to talk about it. And there's some other issues going on in Oregon and some other areas that we're going to be talking about as well. So thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate every single one of you. Do not forget, make sure you guys take advantage of the ADX15 code on Filetaway's website. And, uh, yeah, drop some comments. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. So we'll see you guys on the river. Thanks, guys. Yeah.